It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is, is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas, mistruths or misconceptions, and it is getting us into a world of hurt. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, you're valued, you have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body, my friends. We were made for this moment. Thank you to the team. That's producer Steve, producer Luke, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. It is Wednesday, producer Steve. Oh, my wonderful Wednesday already. Uh, let's see, what is it? March 29th. You know what tomorrow is? What's tomorrow? Opening day for Major League Baseball. And so spring is here. Yes. Your Colorado Rockies start the season with a road trip in San Diego and then the Dodgers over the weekend. Unfortunately, their first real home game doesn't uh, happen until April 6th, which is you know Thursday, a week from tomorrow. Okay, so what's the weather look like for... uh, (laughs) Oh, it's going to (laughs) snow. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Well, actually, no, it looks like it's going to be okay for... There's nothing colder than spring sports. It's, uh, you know, put on your long johns when it's spring sports. But um, spring is here. Baseball's here. It's quite the time for sports. Uh, with the Final Four and opening day of baseball and the Nuggets and the Avalanche. Where is a good place to watch the game, Steve? At home in your living room? Oh, no, no, no. Wait a minute. No. No. Wait. <laughs> there would be another place. <laughs> yes, it depends on the day of the week, too. But uh, Hooters. Hooters, yes. And actually, if you want to watch all the games at home, you can do that. Wednesday is Wings Day. So if for to-go or dine-in, you can buy 20 wings, get an additional 10 for free. I love the smoked wings. Crispy, uh, either the lemon pepper rub or the Texas barbecue rub. But Wednesday is Wings Day. Buy 20, get another 10 wings for free. And that is for to-go or dine-in at Hooters restaurants. And uh, be sure and check out my website for the story on how we got to be business partners. It's a really interesting story about freedom and free markets and capitalism. But uh, they have five locations. That's Loveland, Aurora, Westminster, Lone Tree, and Colorado Springs. And again, Wednesdays are Wednesday at Hooters Restaurant. So be sure and check that out. We have a jam-packed show planned for everyone today. Late breaking, we'll be talking with Kim Bear. She is the secretary of the Douglas County uh, Republicans, and they have sent a letter uh, requesting that the school district uh, harden these uh, elementary schools in light of what happened in Nashville. And so we will talk with her about that in the second hour. Jay Davidson, uh, let's talk with him about banking. And then it's Wednesday, so it's Trent Luce. We'll talk with him in the second hour. And again, thank you so much to all of you who join us. The way this works, we're live 6 to 8 a.m. Monday through Friday on all KLZ platforms. That's KLZ 560 a.m., KLZ 100.7 FM. Uh, people can l- listen anywhere in the world via Listen Live on the KLZ website or the app. 
And the first hour is rebroadcast 1 to 2 in the afternoon. The second hour, uh, 10 to 11 at night. And then um, podcasts of the show, we try to get everything up with a summary within 24 hours. But you can listen to those on all the streaming services. So these important shows are everywhere. You can listen to that. Let's get over here to our quote for the, the day. And I chose Ludwig Ludwig von Mises, who um, was an Austrian school ec- economist, and Jay Davidson really uh, appreciates, likes, supports the Austrian school of economics, that whole theory. So von Mises was an Austrian school economist, historian, logician, and sociologist. He wrote and lectured extensively on the societal contributions of classical liberalism. Uh, he is best known for his work on praxeology studies comparing communism and capitalism, and he is considered one of the most influential economic and political thinkers of the 20th century. He was born in 1881. He died in 1973. He said this, Every socialist is a disguised dictator. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve, I know you have been watching the candidates for... Uh, Denver mayor, and there are three, I think you said for sure, that you know are socialists, correct? Oh, excuse me. As I fumble with my, yeah, I guess I've been working with you long enough that I had to do a mad dash for my paperwork. Uh, yeah, uh, three of them, uh, see, there's a specific organization here as I shuffle through my paperwork. Oh, this is really... This is your doing your uh, Rush Limbaugh yeah, imitation uh, here. Anyway, uh, the, the website, uh, we will Three of them uh, are connected with, openly connected with, the Social Justice uh, National Association of Social Workers. And, uh, you know, that that platform is very interesting. They have a website. It's called socialworkers.org, advocacy uh, slash social justice, if you want to find out more about that. But, yes, three of them are are in uh, a part of that. That would be Leslie Harrod. Uh, Terrence Roberts and Ian Tafoya. Okay. Right there, right here in Denver, Colorado, we have three people that are running for the mayor of Denver that are socialists. Uh, it is unbelievable that, that it used to be that they would hide that fact, well, but no longer, no longer. Who's on the city council? Uh, Candy Sidibaka? She's yeah. pretty much right, right out there in your face. Right. Right. And she is an Emerge graduate as well as Leslie Herod. This is a a group uh, that pushes the the radical Democrat agenda now. Uh, And it's a group that trains Democrat women to run for office and to win. Uh, They are very effective. Uh, It's a very good training program, actually. Um, I'm hoping that conservatives, Republicans can come up with something uh, to train candidates to win, uh, but they the they set these emerge candidates up. Uh, they connect them with donors, websites, training how to speak to audiences, and we need to uh, respond to that. Our ideas are better, but we need to be able to articulate them. Steve, go to emerge. Uh, I don't actually have the name of the website, but anyway, just uh, do a search on emerge Colorado. It'll take you to their website. Most interesting there is the alumni. Look at the alumni yes. that are on that website, and they're obviously state level, but also county level, local level. Right, and local level. And uh, so we've been asleep at the wheel on that. Um, let's run over here. Jam-packed show planned for you. So let's uh, run over here to the 
uh, bill of the day. That's Senate Bill 23175, financing of downtown development authority projects. It's the use of tax, uh, tax increment financing by downtown development authorities. Uh, and in essence, what it does is for development of downtowns, it uh, actually will uh, take property taxes and um, get that back to developers. And, of course, this is all under the guise of of, um, of getting your getting downtowns um, uh, what's the what's the word to to re you know new life to downtowns but Reju- in essence rejuvenate rejuvenate oh good for, good for you <laughs> now it does say that it needs to be approved by um by voters but uh it's it's actually i think it's it's uh, can be an in run i guess if voters approve it it's it's not necessarily an in run around taper but uh it it's it's um I need to, I need to talk more about this. I, I know in my mind that where there is danger, danger. It says currently an authority may use a TIF arrangement for a period of 30 years with the option for a 20 year extension. For property tax revenue only, the bill creates automatic and recurring additional 20 year extension periods during which an authority may use a TIF arrangement unless the governing body of the municipality opts out of the extensions. And, um, so this is, you know what? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not explaining it well. I've got to get my brain around this a little bit more. I've studied these, and I'm not explaining it. So um, anyway, this is. Uh, it's by Senators Sonia Waquez Lewis, Democrat; Janice Rich, Republican; Representative Andrew Bosenacker, uh, Democrat; and Rick Taggart, uh, Republican. So it is bipartisan. And stay tuned on that. I will get more information for you on that. I asked the question. I don't know what the right answer is. I mean, the bill of the day, the things that we look at are state level things, right? So why is this Denver thing, you know, in in this particular body? Why is this not the business of Denver government? Uh, That is an excellent point. And just stay tuned on that because... Gosh, I just read something on that, and um, we've got a jam-packed show. So anyway, that is out there. And um, Before you go to break, one more thing to tie up the Denver election. Election Day is next Tuesday, April 4th, so it's coming quick. It is coming quick, and it's coming very quick. And, you know, I, we haven't really talked that much about it. It's primarily what there's how many candidates there are, but they're all primarily Democrat. The fact that Denver did this, um, oh, the, the fair elections thing where they were uh, giving taxpayer money to, uh, different candidates depending on how many small donors they had. We should not be using tax dollars for campaigns. Uh, but all that money went to Democrats. So here's a bunch of Democrats that are vying for the seat. Some of them are even socialists. And um, Denver's in the toilet. Uh, and I'm, I just, I guess I don't feel encouraged that any of these uh, Democrats have the policies to get things turned around uh, on that. So let's see. Uh, let's go ahead and we're going to go to break here in just a minute. And all these sponsors that I have, 
uh, I highly recommend them. If you're looking for those particular services, give our sponsors the opportunity to earn your business. And one of those great sponsors is the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. And Roger Mangan has served his customers and provided for his family and given back to the communities of Centennial, Littleton, Highlands Ranch, Inglewood, Greenwood Village, as well as Castle Rock. Uh, for help with your insurance needs, call Roger Mangan at 303-795-8855. Like a good neighbor, Roger Mangan Insurance Team is there. This is called service. You hooked me up with auto and renters. Props to my insurance mentor. You made it easy to cover my bed in a box and my extensive collection of clocks. You know, I find it kind of funny that you also saved me money. You've got that good neighbor charm. Give it up. For State Farm. Three Points Financial, a comprehensive, fee-only financial and tax-focused company, considers all the pieces of a client's financial life. There are no sales or commissions involved, and all advice is fiduciary, putting the client first. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz, co-owners of Three Points Financial, take time to work with you regarding decisions that affect your financial present and future. Whatever is happening in our world and with our economy, you have financial goals that matter. And Three Points Financial offers personal, real-time plans for savings, retirement, investments, and taxes, both tax efficiency and preparation. There is no better time than now to focus on your financial situation. If you are interested in learning more, contact ThreePointsFinancial.com to schedule a no-obligation introductory call. Stay up to date on issues in public health and science by signing up and reading Dr. James Lyons Weiler's latest articles at Popular Rationalism on Substack. Find more information about Popular Rationalism at KimMunson.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for a weekly email newsletter and you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. Um, please have on the line with me Kim Bear. She is the secretary of the Douglas County uh Republicans, and they have sent a letter to the school district uh, regarding uh, hardening, uh, making it more um, uh, safer, I would say, for our kids in elementary school. And I wanted to talk with her about that. So, Kim Bear, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kim, for having me. So I, uh, somebody sent over a copy of this letter that the Douglas County Republicans sent to the school board. So tell us about that. Yeah. Um, basically, it's just that our, we would like the school board to consider letting armed teachers um, into schools that, that want it. We're not asking for um, the school board to arm all teachers in all schools. That's just ridiculous. But why not allow these schools um, the freedom to choose to arm their teachers if they want to or feel the need to, and if the parents want it in that area, you know? Well, well now, so. let's think about it, because uh, firearms have been demonized, that they're mm-hmm. dangerous and that, oh, gosh, what if a teacher was carrying a firearm 
and a bad guy came in, a bad, you know, uh, uh, could actually turn that firearm on the teacher. What what would be your response to that, Kim Bear? You know, these teachers that would carry would need to be highly trained. They would need to be working with, in conjunction with, the sheriff's department. Um, it's not unheard of. It's already being done in a lot of schools. In fact, it's being done in my kids' school. And I feel safer with my kids at the school where um, the teachers are armed. And I know my kids feel safer. And I know, and I've seen them trained, actually. I've, and they are very good at what they do. Very, very good at what they do. It's not, it's not so, impossible. So that's, the, you've hit on something. And I know Laura Carno has been, um, is, is the head of, I think, Faster uh, Colorado, and I think that in other states as well, where they have trained teachers, janitors to um, be highly trained in with their firearms so that they can protect children. So think about it, Kim, is a bad guy, bad girl comes into a school um, and what happened in Nashville is so tragic, but that's not the only story. There are stories over uh, over the years and, and throughout America of bad people yeah. coming in and coming into schools, just think about it. You have a teacher that could possibly be very well trained, and instead of throwing a trash can at the bad guy, they could actually take them out. Yes. Yes. Yep. And I... Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I... No, you go ahead. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Well, just think about that. I know that... As a parent, I would feel much safer knowing that there were teachers there that if there was an attack, that they could stand against the, or teachers or janitors or administrators could stand against the, the perpetrator, the bad person when they came in. Absolutely. So I'll give you a little story. Um, I attended Columbine High School. I started there in 1999, so it was the year that the shooting happened. Um, the shooting happened in, in the spring. I started attending in the fall. And um, I was able to see firsthand the trauma that that caused. And for me, it caused trauma. I had post-traumatic stress. I failed a lot of classes in high school because I would just look around and look for my way out. I was terrified every day. And if I would have known or if I would have had teachers and known that they were there, even if I didn't know who they were, I would have felt so much safer. I loved my teachers. And if you think about it, all these kids love their teachers, too. And there's not going to be a teacher who's going to be willing to stand up for these kids and risk their life for these kids if they're not the most incredible people in in the world. So... Okay, so uh, the Douglas County Republicans have sent a letter to the school board uh, requesting that teachers, administrators, and um, staff, custodial staff, if they want to carry a firearm, that they could do so, provided the proper training and, and all that, correct? Yes, yep. And have you had a response back on that? Um. Not officially, but we have heard things from other people who have had responses. And so far, it sounds like, excuse me, so far, it sounds like they are not wanting to um, help us out in this area. But here's something that I think is interesting. So at last night's 
um, board meeting, there were three armed police officers to protect 50 people. And that was at the school board meeting. So they feel the need to be protected. So why would we not provide that type of protection for our elementary school kids specifically? I understand they're working on SROs if they don't already have them in high schools and middle schools, but what about our elementary schools? We have one, at least one, that is 20 minutes from any police station. So why do they feel like they need protection when we can't even protect our little kids? Boy, that is such a good point. And you mentioned SROs, so those are school resource officers, which mm-hmm. uh, I also think is a, gr- a great idea. Um, police officers are in schools and creating relationships with kids. Um, but uh, it, it just seems like that it makes sense. So good for you. Good for the Douglas County GOP to be proactive on this. And again, this would be with proper training and and again, you got little kids in school, uh, perpetrator comes in, teacher, you know teachers, administrators, and staff will want to protect those little kids, and why not give them the proper tools to do so? Uh, and again, I'm just thinking, okay, bad guy comes in, bad girl comes in, and uh, what, throw a trash can at him or take them out so that you can prevent uh, additional carnage in these schools, right, Kim? Exactly. Yep. And at that Nashville um, shooting that just happened this last week, um, it took the police 14 minutes to get there. So what would happen? I mean, imagine if we could have someone taken out in one or less than one minute because they're already there in the school ready to defend these children. It would save so many lives. Right. And then what we've seen, uh, Kim Bear, who is the secretary of the Douglas County GOP, is that the radical activist Democrats um, that control the Democrat Party now are now using this to call for more gun control, trying to, to say to people, oh, if well, and I agree if, if the bad person didn't have a gun, OK, that that could change that. But that's not that's not realistic. That's not what happens in society. And the other thing is, is bad guys, bad girls they actually can can will look at soft targets and they will go to a soft target versus a hard target and so one of the ways to start to protect our children is to harden these targets uh Kim Bear. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, it's interesting because um a friend of mine if you if I have a minute, a friend of mine yes. sent me this meme yesterday and it said um We defend our president with guns. We defend our celebrities with guns. We defend our banks with guns. We defend our courts with guns, our jewelry stores, our sporting events, our music festivals. We defend our children with a sign that reads, this is a gun-free zone. And then we call someone with a gun to come help after it's too late. That pretty well says it, Kim Bear. And uh, so I I, I hope that the school board will revisit this, um, request by the Douglas County GOP to uh, harden these targets of our elementary school. I really hope that that happens, Kim Bear. I do too. Thank you so much. 
Well, and that was Kim Bear. She is the secretary of the Douglas County GOP, and they've sent a letter to the school board uh, requesting that um, those staff and teachers and administrators that uh, would go through proper training and could carry a firearm to protect children in our schools, that they be able to do so. It doesn't seem, I mean, it seems like just a really smart thing to do to make that happen. And uh, so hopefully that will start to get some legs. We've got a big show planned for you today. We'll be talking with Jay Davidson. He is the CEO and founder of First American State Bank, talking about the, the banking industry here in uh, America, given the fact that uh, uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank failed. And then we will be talking with Trent Luce in the second hour. It is a tr- uh, Trent Luce Wednesday. We get to have all these great conversations because of great sponsors such as Karen Levine. There are always opportunities in changing markets, and the metro real estate market is no exception. That's why you need to work with seasoned REMAX Alliance realtor Karen Levine when you buy your home, sell your home, consider opportunities of a new build, or explore investment properties. Rising interest rates are spurring creativity, innovation, and opportunity in the real estate and mortgage markets. Kim Monson highly recommends award-winning REMAX realtor Karen Levine. Call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516 for answers to all your real estate questions. That's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You'll get first look at our upcoming guests as well as our most recent essays. Uh, you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And uh, our text line is 720-605-0647. Again, 720-605-0647. Before we get over here to Jay Davidson, you know him. We've had requests to get him on the air to talk again about what's happening in the banking industry. wanted to mention the USMC Memorial Foundation. It is a nonprofit that I've adopted uh, with all the work that I've done with veterans. I think it's so important that we recognize those that have been willing to give their lives or have given their lives so that we live in liberty. We have such a responsibility now to search for truth and talk about what's happening in our world. And um, it would be great if you would uh, go over and donate to USMC Memorial Foundation and help with the remodel. Again, that's the USMCMemorialFoundation.org. And uh, certainly it would be great to help them out with that. On the line with me is a great sponsor of the show, and that is founder and CEO of First American State Bank, Jay Davidson. Jay Davidson, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Kim. I'm honored to be here. 
It's great to have you. And Jay, uh, there's a lot happening in the banking industry. Uh, we talked recently regarding the failure of uh, Silicon Valley Bank as well as Signature Bank. There's concerns maybe about some other banks. People are a little skittish. What What do you have to say about this? Uh, the the failures of uh, SVB or Silicon Valley Bank and uh, Superior Bank are pretty easy to see, at least from a banking perspective. Um, and I'll take the case of the Silicon Valley Bank. Um, I, I went back over their call reports. Oh, by the way, a little background information. Uh, every bank provides a very detailed call report to their regulatory agency every quarter. So in the last year, SVB had provided four call reports to the Federal Reserve of San Francisco. And in those reports, you can find just about anything you want to know about a bank, uh, historical and current. Uh, there's probably 25 pages of really small font. In my old eyes, hard to read, but uh, <clears throat> of all sorts of ratios and historical data. So the information was there. I went back and looked at that, and it was um, mind-boggling that the trends from over a year ago with SVB were very blatant, extremely uh, mismatched and unbalanced. So the SVB management failed, and honestly, the regulators failed. So, And, and in the case of uh, Superior Bank, they, they were a uh, uh, cryptocurrency bank. They did a lot of activity in crypto. Uh, the reason that we don't touch crypto, and no community bank does, is that uh, it's way too volatile. You don't know what the value is of the deposit you're taking or the uh, collateral you're taking on a loan. So it's not worth taking. So the, the, the whole situation here is highly identifiable. It's something that we spend inordinate amounts of, of time analyzing in our own bank and our own management. The, there's a, a rating system, excuse me, that the, the uh, regulators use called CAMELS. And it, it's highly confidential, so no banker will disclose it to you. But it stands for Capital Asset Management Equity uh, or Earnings uh, Liquidity and Sensitivity to Interest Rate Risk. The L and the S are the two issues that nailed SVB. Um, they had a mismatch in their deposits. Uh, they took in over $100 million billion in deposits, grew to the 16th largest bank in the nation in a couple of, in a year and a half or so. And then they took those deposits, like all banks do, and, and invested it in either loans or bonds or whatever. In this case, SVB took their $100 billion in new deposits and invested them in 10-year treasuries. And everybody knows that a 10-year treasury doesn't have default risk. It's full faith and credit of the United States government. But it does have interest rate risk. And, and then what we saw is that the Fed Reserve increased interest rates a year ago. They did it very precipitously, very rapidly. Now, that has a, a, a direct effect on the value of your bond portfolio. As rates go up, the bonds that you own go down in face value because somebody can buy a different bond today at a higher rate. And uh, so SVBs, uh, $100 billion in new deposits they put into bonds, treasuries, went down in value. In fact, it was... It declined so much that it wiped out their equity hat if they were forced to sell those bonds 
uh, at today's market. Well, the the second half of the problem, first was the mismatch in duration or maturity. The second was a liquidity crisis. And that liquidity crisis was precipitated, it was the first tweeted liquidity crisis in the history of banking. And a few, um, a few of their giant customers, I mean, these guys were, they're, you know, billions of dollars in deposits, unimaginable, <clears throat> uh, started tweeting around and uh, caused the run on the bank. Now, the run is when depositors come in and rightfully and appropriately demand their deposits back. And uh, Silicon Valley Bank had to start liquidating these treasuries that were underwater and taking the losses. That's a kind of a long explanation. I apologize for that. No, it's it's very important so that people understand it. Now, you mentioned Superior Bank, um, and I hadn't really focused on that. There was also Signature Bank. So, is there three oh, different sorry. banks yeah. that have failed? Yeah, it was Signature uh, Bank. Superior Bank is is uh, is not failing. They're being taken care of. They're they're also a um, a crypto bank. But you're right. Uh, um, Signature Bank has failed, okay. and uh, First Citizens has bought them. Okay. I think now, I was at I, a friend of mine, um, Dr. Jill Vecchio, I, she uh, did a presentation on Sunday evening about the banking system, and and I'm not sure I heard it correctly, but there are those out there that think that that there is there is this by design this uh, uh, trying to consolidate all of these banks into some of the big big banks and it just it, it just doesn't make sense to me when we were seeing that it was a meteor a meteoric raising of interest rates uh and and we're seeing that reverberate now throughout the banking industry um i mean it doesn't really have to be this way what do you think about that jay well, you just asked a whole bunch of questions there. Um, let me try and get them sequentially. <clears throat> I do believe that the federal regulators, the banking regulators, would prefer fewer and larger banks. Um, and I say that uh, for a number of reasons, but history is uh, pretty obvious here. Uh, when I started the bank in 1995, there was 15,000 banks in the United States. Today, there's less than 5,000. So there's been a lot of consolidation of banking. Um, second thing, and, and the real reason, I think, the way that in which the regulators are trying to reduce the number of small banks, uh, and I'm not complaining. I got into this industry, and I understand it's not regulated, but it's not ridiculously regulated. And that's that's how they're doing it. Uh, they're, they're creating a regulatory environment that is pretty toxic, to uh, private industry, and they're basically attempting to take control of what should be the management and the executives' jobs, which is running a bank. I mean, the government entity does not care. This is my big beef about every government entity. Just uh, They don't care that we as shareholders own a property, and they don't mind imposing regulations and fines and, and uh, downgrading loans and causing loss in equity. It doesn't matter to them. It really does not. I've been there, done that, seen it um, in many instances. 
So they don't appreciate the fact that there is such a thing as personal property rights and that the uh, the uh, Declaration of Independence was specific in the right, inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit, and not pursuit, the uh, ownership of property. So uh, I think that is one of the main issues. There's a mindset that is anti-independent business person. And it's not just in banking. Talk to my friends in the oil and gas industry or my doctor friends or my dentist friends or, you know, this is impinging on just about every aspect of American business and professional uh, professionalism. So um, I think that the big issue here is a regulatory environment that is invasive and overpowering and inappropriate and unconstitutional. I don't think I got all your questions answered. Uh, well, I, I guess there was a lot in there, but you answered some of them. Jay, this has been a big aha for me. Re- remember when there's been the narrative out there that uh, the Democrat Party was for the little guy and the Republican Party was the fat cat uh, business people? I've realized, actually, that big business and big government like each other. I mean, go no further than the pharmaceutical industry and see what's happened there with big government and and big business. And what happens then is with big business, just kind of what you're describing here, big banks would love to have smaller banks uh, gobbled up and gone out of business so they can use government through regulatory uh, actions as well as other actions to put pressure on smaller businesses. It could be banking. It could be across the board. And so big government and big business like each other. So it's not a party line thing. And uh, we're seeing that really uh, the radical activists that have taken over the Democrat Party have been more than happy to use government to um, try to, to put pressure on smaller businesses. Your thoughts? Yeah, uh, not even more. Not even more than happy. That has been their intent, and that is the way. Uh, we can look back a hundred years to the Bolshevik re- Revolution in in uh, Russia, creating communism. We can look at fascism in Nazi Germany in the 1930s. The uh, unholy relationship between government and big corporations is fascism. If you look at it, I mean the. The only difference between fascism and communism is that the communists take over all the means of production. Its state owns everything. Fascism allows a business owner to uh, retain some ownership in his or her property, but all of the uh, production of that property, of that business, goes to the state. It's the same thing. It's just different variations. And there is a um, concerted effort uh, by many people, uh, highly intelligent, unfortunately intelligent people, to uh, subvert the freedoms that, that should accrue to the individual in America. And it's not, it's not even a mistake. It is, uh, I think, it was with malice aforethought. And uh, that is where we stand today. It's the biggest uh, threat I think America has, much bigger than China or Russia. Boy, uh, so that's, I want to talk about that here in just a moment with you. I'm talking with Jay Davidson. He is the founder and CEO of First American State Bank, great partners of the show. Another great partner of the show is Roots Medical. 
Every family needs a healthcare team that has your child's best interest as the priority, and Roots Medical is proud to offer exactly that. At Roots Medical, we strive to empower and educate both parent and child about the importance of gut health, how to implement healthy changes in the home, and of course, all of the benefits that come with a fully optimized immune system. Same day and sickness appointments are available and easy to schedule. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. That's R O O T S medical.net. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your healthcare concerns. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. It's more critical than ever to get the firearms training you must have to be confident in protecting yourself and your family. Learning from the expertly trained instructors at Franktown Firearms and Shooting Range, you will learn the skills necessary to be ready for anything you have to deal with. If you learned how to shoot by way of Granddad Taught Dad Taught Me, you may be missing critical elements of safety and proficiency training that can only be learned in the right environment with a knowledgeable and industry-leading instructor who can analyze and diagnose shooting mistakes, helping you prepare properly. At Franktown Firearms, they believe understanding how guns work Learning the fundamentals the right way and being confident in using a gun can mean the difference between life and death. When people leave Franktown classes, they feel empowered. They look forward to practicing and getting more training. Go to franktownfirearms.com and sign up for one of our training classes today. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Our text line is 720-605-0647. I have on the line with me Jay Davidson. He is a great partner of the show. He is the CEO and founder of First American State Bank. We're talking about the banking system. And when people look at these headlines, they hear bank fail. Uh, of course, there's cryptocurrency. Currency, digital currency. Are they trying to move us away from, um, you know, all into a digital currency? I mean, there's all kinds of fear out there regarding the banking system. What would you say to people regarding that, Jay Davidson? Yeah, it's a um, very prevalent uh, situation. Every time uh, somebody messes with your money, and uh, tell my executives and my employees all the time, you know, we. We take a deposit from a uh, customer, and uh, we carry it on our books as a liability because we have to pay it back. Not only have to, we have a duty, a loyalty, an obligation to pay it back at any time the customer wants that money back. And this is how all community bankers view their depositors, their customers, because all community bankers know their depositors. They look them in the eye, shake their hand, get to meet their kids and their family and so forth. You know, so there's there's a tie back to our customers that doesn't exist in large banks for the most part. I'm not knocking large banks. They have their there's, there's an important role to fill, 
but uh, I'm obviously very much a community banker, uh, and I do appreciate what the community banks are doing. Now, I started the conversation with you about uh, Silicon Valley Bank and why they failed and why uh, the other one failed. I keep saying Superior, but that's Signature Bank. Signature, um, right. The, the the one thing I want to point out here as clearly as I possibly can is that the failure mode that these two banks encountered were because the bank's management mismanaged their operations. And it was blatantly obvious to anybody who looks at what's called the Uniform Bank Performance Report, um, UBPR, which is on, which is the compendium of all the call reports that all these banks make. You can see that in each one of these banks. So, you know, the fear, the contagion, the irrational behavior by our government and by the Federal Reserve in this case should not accrue to individuals. And, you know, if you have a bunch of money in your bank, um, then uh, if it's if it's a large bank, you might want to move it out into smaller banks. Yeah, maybe you don't. But, you know, you need to pay attention to your bank a little bit. Understand, you know, can you go in and meet the president or the chairman of the board or the CEO? Can you shake his or her hand and look at him or her in the eye and, you know, assess? Believe me, you, you know, you as an individual... You know what's right. You know what's wrong when you're still and quiet and you're listening. So you can do that. And you can only do that with community banks. You're not going to see the head of uh, Wells Fargo or Chase. You know, these guys are, get paid millions of dollars a minute, and, you know, they're important. Okay. Well, um, so there's there's a couple of things that you can do. Um, we, we pulled out the FDIC insurance um uh, the other day to look at it. It's a pretty complex uh, topic, but we analyzed and we said there, there are ways for us to obtain up to $1.5 in FDIC insurance with two people. And everybody says, well, it's 250000 per person. Well, actually, it's 250000 per uh, either Social Security number or tax ID number, and there's ways to use trusts revocable and irrevocable trusts to get up to 1.5 million in FDIC protection. So all, you know, all your banks can do that for you if you're worried about it. And if you're, you have more than 1.5 million or your business, you can talk to your bank about repo agreements or bond agreements where they uh, buy a bond on your behalf. You actually pay for it, but they buy it and uh, put it as uh, collateral against your deposit. So, you know, there's a lot of things strategically and tactically that you and your banker can do. But I would ask people, uh, don't fall for the panic. You know, I, fear always exists on a future event. Now, danger exists today. And if you're at Silicon Valley Bank, you know, protect yourself. It might be too late. But if, if you are afraid of what might happen in the future... Understand that fear is in the future, and you can do something about it now. The question is, what do you do? Well, I would not recommend you take it out uh, your money out of your bank and put it in your mattress, but that's your call. It's your money. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, but I would say that the vast majority of banks, you know, 4,499 of them out there, 
um, are safely run, very conservatively run, and uh, are going to be here for the long term. Uh, so don't let the, this, I hate to say this, but really this is stupidity and mismanagement of Silicon Valley Bank and the Fed Reserve in San Francisco um, taint your view of all banks. I think that's that's very comforting to know that. And uh, so, quick question: You mentioned trust. Is that something that you help people with at First American State Bank? Well, let me be real specific. I'm not a trust bank, so there's uh, okay. restrictions on what I can do. But there are there are instruments called the POD, paid on death, for instance. Um, that that's a trust in a sense. It's real simple, and we do it all the time. So, um, you know, you and you are two people uh, are together and they trust each other. So they they create a joint account and that's 250. Then they can do a POD one to two and two to one. That's 750,000 another 500,000. Then there's some other uh, revocable trusts uh, that are available to double that amount to get up to one point five million. So that it's pretty simple. I mean, any bank can do it for you. Okay. But ideally, it'd be great to have First American State Bank do that for you. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Thank you, Jim. <laughs> okay. Uh, next thing, when I wrote up the promo for you to be on the show, from all my conversations that I'm having, this seems to be the goal of the Federal Reserve, from what I can tell right now, is they have raised interest rates to cool the economy, reduce wage growth, and decrease employment. Do you think that's accurate? Oh, yes. I, it's worse than that, Kim. I mean, this whole thing started in 2008, and it started with, when the Fed decided unilaterally to start printing dollar, dollars, U.S. dollars. Now, in the arcane world of economics, that's liquidity. Oh, gee, that's really nice. That's stimulative. That makes the economy grow. And boy, did it grow from 2008. And it grew excessively. Now, that money, let me give you a background here. The Fed's balance sheet in 2007 was $850 billion. After they were done with quantitative easing, which was the printing the dollar, QE, their balance sheet ballooned up to $9 trillion. That's how much money they printed. Now, that was the seed for the inflation that we're feeling today. And this is a concept that is difficult for a lot of people, but once, once they get it, it's like a, a, a light comes off. The, as, a, as a product, a commodity becomes more available, the value of that product goes down. It's just a fact of economics uh, that exists. Um, you know, you can see it in, in the, you know, in anything that people sell. Scarcity creates value. Well, when the Fed printed nine trillion dollars of United States dollars, they devalued the buying power of the existing dollars in the economy, and by that devaluation means that you have to pay more for a certain item than you did before. And on the other side of the coin, people call that inflation because you're paying more for the same uh, commodity that you were buying before. The root of all inflation is the Fed Reserve's action 
in implementing quantitative easing and printing $9 trillion. And that kicked this whole thing off. And if you've read me for 10, 15 years, you've seen me rail against these people and what they did. But this year, you know, the rooster's coming home to roost, and we're feeling it very badly. So inflation is caused by the Fed's printing of dollars, creating excess liquidity in the marketplace. Then the Fed's answer, which is mind-boggling to me, is that they raise interest rates, the other tool they have to control the economy. Well, that interest rates aren't the reason that we're in an inflationary environment. And you're right. You raise interest rates to shut down economic activity, and that will result in lower job growth, lower wages, less take-home pay, you name it. So the Fed has not even addressed the root cause of the problem that they caused with all the printing of the money, but they are shutting down our economy and uh, causing uh, extreme grief, great uncertainty, and a lot of fear. There is something so wrong about that. It does not have to be that way. Normally, Jay, we've got about three minutes left. And normally I just wait to do the quote at the end of the show. But this is so important. I just want you to comment on this. This is from Ludwig von Mises. He said, the advocates of public control cannot do without inflation. They need it in order to finance their policy of reckless spending and of lavishly subsidizing and bribing the voters. That pretty well nails it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I, I, Juan Mises, I mean, read and understand it. Well, yeah, what they're trying to do, they call it monetizing the debt. Uh, the, they're creating all this debt, causing inflation, and then in their minds, they're paying back the debt with devalued dollars. Right. So, you know, they're, they're, arbit- they're arbitraging, but there's no consideration for the effect of you and me and every citizen out there and every business out there. It's just a artifice by the government, and it's so wrong, and it's so unnecessary. It is. It is so wrong. It's so unnecessary. Um, last word of hope on this. I, the more light we shine on this, I mean, it's going to, we have to make some hard decisions as Americans, but I, we can do this. Yes, yes, Jay Davidson? Oh, absolutely. I still believe in America, and I believe in American citizens. We need to be looking at the bureaucratic mess that's been made. We're talking about the Federal Reserve, but uh, my friends in the oil and gas industry can talk about that. And energy production, my friend, my doctor friend, Dennis friends can talk about that. You know, the whole mindset has got to change in America. And I think a lot of us are getting that mindset changed. The, the change has got to be that the government is not your master. The government is not your friend. The government is power. And that power has to be wielded extremely carefully. And that power has to be controlled massively by adherence to our Constitution and our amendments. And once we start getting that idea and get all these politicians, from the school board people on up to the president, to understand we don't need your help. We don't want your help. We want you to leave us alone. I'm an honest man. You're an honest woman. I'll do what's right. You'll do what's right. Because I believe in an almighty, a greater being, and I'm going to do the best I can to attain that. So I have faith. It's going to take a lot of faith in the kind of nonsense we're we're facing today. But have faith. We're going to get through this. 
Well, Jay Davidson, we as Americans stand on the shoulders of giants. And uh, uh, so we each day we get up, we speak truth into this, and I so appreciate your wisdom um, and your discernment on that. So Jay Davidson, CEO, founder of First American State Bank, thank you. Thank you, Kim. It's been an honor. And uh, my friends, today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. Stay tuned for our number two. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. First of all, the student loan bailout. There's something inherently immoral about it. The latest in politics and world affairs. I think education has been hijacked. A number of years has kind of dissed people that work with their hands. Today's current opinions and ideas. Gosh, we should have been teaching kids kindergarten through high school about return on investment. If you're going to take on this debt, what is your ROI? Is it freedom? Or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. And welcome to hour number two of the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued. You have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. Thank you to the team that I work with. That's producer Steve, producer Luke, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Wednesday to you, producer Steve. Yes, Wednesday, March 29th. Did you did you happen to notice what happened to the month? Where did it go? It just marched right by, didn't it? Ha. All right. Carry on. <laughs> Uh, great conversation with Jay Davidson in the first hour. We'll be talking with Trent Luce here in just a few moments, as well as Lauren Levy. You know, Lauren, he is an expert in the mortgage arena, and Trent Luce is a sixth-generation farmer and rancher. Uh, so we'll be talking about our food security, energy security, water security, all of those things. So that's an important discussion. Now, Steve... The Denver mayor's race uh, is what next Tuesday? Did you say in the first hour? I did. Yes. Uh, no. What? Six days away. Including there today. is a cast, yeah. cast of thousands yes. that are running. Uh, only one conservative slash Republican in the field. And don't you find it so crazy the Denver fair elections that the voters passed in Denver? which would take taxpayer money to give different to different candidates and it's over it's several million dollars i think and i mean really so we're using taxpayer dollars to fund democrats to run for office i mean that's the bottom line of what's happening there you know i don't know what caught my attention back in february that this was coming and i guess it was the fact that there were so many of them running and uh uh, I guess my, my thanks to, to Channel 7 because they, they kind of kicked off my interest and piqued my interest 
uh, in terms of all these uh, candidates. And it, maybe we, you and I, uh, we did, we kicked it back and forth earlier, you know, about five, six weeks ago. And it's like, well, how much time do we on, on the Kim Munson show really want to give to this? And it's like, not that we, you know, there's nothing that we don't have to say about it, but it's almost, you know, in a blue city like Denver. And so many of these people are, you know, on the um, you know, Democrat side of things. Uh, what's the point? <laughs> Right. And so we have not spent a whole bunch of time on that. And Denver's in trouble. Colorado's in trouble. It's because of these radical activists uh, that have taken over the Democrat Party. And I, I wonder if there's any blue dog, any moderate Democrats out there. Um, but Denver, I, I mean, it's dirty. It's crime ridden. Uh, there, there's a big job that needs to be done on that. So three, I think you said three of them are, have ties to the, uh, socialist uh, party. And, and, uh, so this is a very appropriate quote for the beginning of the show. It's from Von Mises, Ludwig, Ludwig Von Mises, born in 1881, died in 1973. He was an Austrian school economist, historian, logician, and soci- sociologist. He wrote and lectured extensively on the societal contributions of classical liberalism. He is best known for his work on praxeology studies comparing communism and capitalism. He is considered one of the most influential economic and political thinkers of the 20th century. And he said this. He said, every socialist is a disguised dictator. That pretty well said. Socialism is not about free stuff. That is just the the carrot to get people to vote for socialism. Socialism is such a bad idea. It ultimately has to come down to force, Steve. Well, I, I kind of chuckle because, yeah, I've always been somewhat attuned, in tune with what's going on down at the Capitol. But ever since starting up this, uh, you know, your, this job with you, that that quote <laughs> it certainly applies to the guy at the top. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. So let's get over here to Lauren Levy. He is an expert in the mortgage arena. He watches interest rates. We had an important conversation last week regarding uh, the Federal Reserve and uh, raising interest rates. So let's find out what's happening. Lauren Levy, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Kim. So last week, it was a quarter of a percentage point. Question, do we, can they only raise it after these meetings that are every few months, or can they raise it in, in the interim as well? They can do whatever they want. Um, they try to do it during the meetings, but even on the way down, you know, when we were going through the, uh, you know, back in 08 and 09, and there's been times since, if there's some sort of, especially maybe like a shocking news event or something, they can have an emergency meeting and lower it or raise it if they need to. Okay. So what's the reverberations from last week's actions? There hasn't been a whole lot. Um, you know, the market had expected the quarter point. As, you know, we can debate whether or not they should have done it or not. It was It was expected. So you and I talk about surprises and the market doesn't like surprises. So that wasn't a surprise. And so it didn't have a huge effect. If anything, it's always more important what they say. And they seemed to indicate that they were going to slow down and let the market kind of see what's going on for a little while now, which was nice. And that's what the mortgage market wanted to hear. So if anything, rates have pulled back ever so slightly since then. And, uh, and the other, yeah, But the other thing that we had counteracting that, which was not bad news, but we had a bank come in and buy or agree to buy most of the assets of Silicon Valley Bank, which really calmed down the fears of banks going out of business. And that 
you know, that fear was causing interest rates to really come down a little bit. And that fear being quelled now has made things settle out a little bit. So there's not a lot going on. It's, it's been a quiet week. Okay. Next question. And so I have learned in our conversations, Lauren, and I put this in the pro, uh, promotional that was running that, I mean, this pretty well nails what they say they want to do is they want to cool the economy, reduce wage growth and decrease employment. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, people will suffer when, when they do that. And, and, and this is all under trying to control inflation, but inflation is government induced. When we read these, um, like von Mises, uh, Austrian economics, um, um, uh, uh, Milton Friedman, inflation is government induced. So they create the problem, then they want to have a solution to the problem, but yet it's kind of like they, they want to control things. They use it for control. Would you, would you think, do you think that's correct? I mean, to a certain extent, I, I do, because that's the, uh, that's what they're doing. I mean, that's the items they can control, is they can control, you know, by raising rates, they make it harder for companies to borrow, harder for them to grow, and they also make it harder for, you know, consumers to purchase sometimes, especially if they're having worries about their jobs, and so that is how they slow it down. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, uh gotcha. That's it seems. It seems like it's. Uh, we'll just let that sit out there then. So next question. Um, I cannot believe that we are at the end of March. Uh, um, opening day for baseball is right around the corner. It's springtime. I'm seeing for sale signs, and so you can help people and get pre-qualified. So if they're out there looking for a new home. Uh, to have all your ducks in a row is a super good idea. And how can people reach you to make that happen? You're absolutely right. The best way to reach is 303-880-8881. We talk about all the time how there's opportunities here and there. Rates will drop for a period of time. Even if it's only a week, they may drop by a quarter, which can help people. So it's best to be pre-qualified and ready to, to pounce if that's what you're looking to do. Okay. How can people reach you? Just give us a call, 303-880-8881. And so with that, uh, there's three different things that uh, I know that you can help people with, and that would be if they're going to be buying a new house or if they have a low rate and on their mortgage, but they want to consolidate debt uh, into a second, that could possibly be a great idea. And then these reverse mortgages can really help people, what, 62 and older, if they, you know, people have made their plans uh, for their retirement. And with this inflation, it's really surprising them. So a reverse mortgage can help out if they're getting squeezed by inflation. That's absolutely right. That's what we talk about all the time is, uh, People who are a little bit short here and there or just want to have a better time in retirement and their largest asset is their home, but they don't want to sell it. And, you know, they just love where they live and or don't have a better option to downsize. We, we can help them stay in their home. Okay. And again, your number, Lauren Levy? 303-880-8881. Well, I highly recommend Lauren Levy, and he is an expert in the mortgage arena. He works with a lot of different lenders, so there's all kinds of options. Lauren Levy, we will talk to you next week. Thank you, Kim. Talk to you soon.
Absolutely. And again, that number is 303-880-8881. And uh, we um, get to have these great conversations because of wonderful sponsors. Another one of those great sponsors is the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. And Roger Mangan wants you to feel safe and well-served to understand your insurance coverage and know that their office will respond to your call or text 24 hours a day. For that 24-hour peace of mind, call Roger Mangan at 303-795-8855. Like a good neighbor, Roger Mangan's team is there. Great news. I just got the State Farm Personal Price Plan on our home and auto insurance. You told our agent about my thing for romance novels? No, you don't have to get that personal. Our agent just helped me choose affordable options to create a personalized price just for us. Oh, sweet. Then you won't believe the love triangle Jen is in now. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Homeownership, a place to call your own, has created wealth for Coloradans throughout the years. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance understands the importance of homeownership. Karen Levine works tirelessly at the local, county, state, and national levels to protect your property rights. With nearly 30 years' experience as a Colorado realtor, Karen Levine will help you navigate the metro real estate market, whether you're buying your home, selling your home, considering a new build, or exploring investment properties. Call Karen at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516 for answers to all your real estate needs. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And it is Wednesday. So that means it's Trent Loose Wednesday. Trent Loose is a sixth generation farmer and rancher. You can find him at B. E-K-T-V, as well as Loose Tales Media, and that's L-O-O-S-T-A-L-E-S media.com. Trent Loose, welcome to the show. Hey, Kim. How are you? You're pretending to be me today. I love it. <laughs> how so? Aren't you out and about broadcasting from someone other than your normal location? I am. I'm actually out in Southern California. And so I wanted to talk with you about California and water. (laughs) Uh, California and water. Uh, They have had a ton of rain. It's supposed to rain again today. Uh, Yet uh, water in the West, we've had... um, um, now I'm drawing a blank. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, expert on natural resources, uh, Greg Walcher. And we've had him on uh, to talk about water in the West and the the water compact regarding the Colorado River. And it's so mismanaged. It's And it, it seems like these PBIs, they they don't they're not really serious about addressing these things because I guess it's like anything. If there's a problem, they can uh, walk in and control. What's your thoughts on that, Trent Luce? 
Well, I've actually spent a lot of time in California on water projects, and it was all because of the, the California, and, and this goes all the way up into Oregon as well. The Klamath River Basin right now has got a, a tremendous problem. In the 20s, the farmers in the Klamath River Basin with the Klamath River provided irrigation since the 20s to farmers. It also provided electricity, and they put in the fish ladders to make sure that the, sim, uh, the salmon continue to spawn and, and produce and, and and continue their life as long as, as right alongside of the irrigation and the electricity that's generated. And in 2021, there was an announcement from the Biden administration. They were going to spend, I think it's $250 million to blow those dams out of the Klamath River, eliminating irrigation, eliminating the electric generation. If you come all the way down the state, uh, the Delta Schmelt in the Sacramento, Sacramento River has long been the mismanagement part of what you're talking about because California is a desert. People tend to forget that it's, it's a desert, and so drought happens in a desert. But what the early pioneers and settlers of California were able to do, like the Klamath River and even through the Sacramento River, through the heart of the San Joaquin Valley, was establish a system of catching water and then having that water available over a long period of time, because even though it's a desert, they would get massive uh, precipitation in small times of the year. So they figured out, you capture this water, you make it available, you have reservoirs. And even as recently as, I think it was 2016, the California Ballot Initiative set aside millions of dollars to Im improve the reservoir system of the California water needs to meet more of what's going on with population growth with 38 million people and the most abundant food production state in the nation. California produces more food than Iowa and Texas combined. And with that money uh, set aside, they have not spent one dollar of it to develop the reservoir system that they, the, all of the engineers and like the gentleman you were talking about, Mr. Walter, has been talking about, we just need to set up a reservoir system to catch, capture it. And in 2023, since January 1 of 2023, California has had enough moisture and precipitation to produce all of the water needs for the next 10 years. But guess what? That went to the ocean. It continues to go to the ocean. They've not captured it because they've not done what the experts have told them that they need to do. For a long time, Kim, I thought that we just had all of these bleeding heart liberals who want to protect the Delta Schmelt, which is just a little minnow, and that was taking precedence over the farmers. I now recognize that it's looking back, it was all by design to make sure that we had control of those farmers instead of them producing the food that is needed. I think a lot of people don't realize this. I, I think it, the, it's we're, people are going to start to realize this very soon. But, um, I mean, you've heard uh, different uh, reports that in California they'll recommend that uh, you don't take along as, as long, you know, your showers. And I, I think people are going to start to realize that the effects of this mismanagement, but you can't just snap your fingers and build a reservoir. Uh, so what do you think is going to happen out here in California? I think it's going to get very dire. And, and there's one other part of this that, that you just can't escape. In the past 30 years, 
We have moved to where 87% of the United States, not just California, 87% of the United States homes now have water supplied to them by the municipality. Even in rural areas, you have folks who are dependent upon the government to make sure the water is accessible to them. That's a vulnerability. And I don't know how, I know we walk into all of these vulnerabilities, Kim, because it's convenient. And every single thing, we use a credit card or a debit card to pay for a cup of coffee because it's convenient. Every convenience brings about an assessment of vulnerability. We've overlooked those for far too long. And water, at the end of the day, is the key component that we need to not be vulnerable about. Here's the one thing I want to just remind everybody, because people say, oh, we're using too much water. We're using too much water. We have the same amount of water on the planet today that we did when Jesus walked the planet 2,000 years ago. Now, where that water is located, whether that water contains a level of salt, that's all uh, up for discussion. But we have the same amount of water. It's about are we managing the use of the water? Are we restricting the water from places that it's needed? And when you have 87% of the homes in the United States the water is provided by the government, that's not a place I want to be. I do not have municipal water. I have a well, and my water comes as long as I have electricity. So, but it's not possible for a lot of people to have their own water. As people have moved into urban areas, I I understand that's a vulnerability. And if you have elected representatives... Uh, that are have the best interest of people in mind, that's a good thing, uh, I think, or it's an okay thing. But what can be a real problem is, as we're seeing this, is there are more and more people getting into elected office that uh, have agendas uh, instead of uh, caring about people. And, and then we have these bureaucracies that... Uh, it, it, these are unelected, unaccountable people that are in charge of these uh, different key functions uh, that we need for uh, human flourishing. So it, it's a real problem. I, you just brought to my mind that I'm probably the reason I've never considered living in a city or even a town is because it would be really tough to have an independent supply of water and I just know that it's a, a conversation that has not happened, and it, we need to make sure it happens. And to your point, we need to make sure that we have the right elected officials, because when you are vulnerable, and you're, if you're living in a city on municipal water, you're vulnerable, you need to have the right elected officials that's going to keep your freedom foremost, foremost on their mind. So, Trent Luce, I... We have seen this really, I think, since the 80s. There's been this um, conservation. Uh, conservation is a good idea. Uh, being responsible stewards of our our earth is a good idea. But have used that word conservation to create scarcity. And there's really two ways to look at life. There's two ways to to look at things that is, could be scarcity or abundance. And I really believe that we as creative individuals, that we are created in the image of God, God is a creator. And when I think when we say that we're created in the image of God, that means that we are creators, we can we can roll our sleeves up. And I think we can solve any problem. But 
that's not been the case. I mean, think of all the conserve, 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 which, I, again, being good stewards of the earth is a good thing. But this conservation thing is actually created in people's minds, scarcity and fear. Those two things are connected. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I agree with you 100 percent. Conservation has been hijacked by preservation. And Theodore Roosevelt was a conservationist. And he went out with hounds and hunted on a regular basis. And he put in place, he expanded, he did not create the park system, but he expanded the park system beyond a place that had ever been before. But he wanted to have a, a, a conservation approach to the future. And instead of continuing the conservation aspect of it, they've hijacked it with preservation saying that, well, it's there, but you can't go use it. Well, a resource that you can't use is going to one day disappear because when you don't use it, you don't manage it. And when you don't manage something, it Mother Nature manages it, and we never like the outcome. And so we've been reintroduced. Look what's happened throughout all of Colorado and the Rocky Mountains. We reintroduce predators that we don't really need to be reintroducing. I'm talking about the wolf because people somehow have been convinced that the wolf is part of a conservation program. That's not at all the case. I was humored, Kim. I actually have the the news story here. There was a gentleman who had a, a very uh, scary weekend in Colorado, and I'm not sure. I know it's a mountain town. But the news account is talking about this gentleman who had a mountain lion uh, introduction, or not introduction, but a mountain lion conflict at his home. I don't know if you heard about this or not. No, I didn't. Um uh, where are we at on time, by the way? I don't want to be. You know, you know what, Leah? Let's let's keep that as okay. a uh, cliffhanger there, uh, because uh, I want to hear all about th- that. And we're talking about conservation, but again, these words can be good words. They can be hijacked. I'm talking with Trent Lou, sixth generation farmer and rancher. We have these important conversations because of great sponsors such as Three Points Financial. Three Points Financial, a comprehensive fee-only financial and tax-focused company, considers all the pieces of a client's financial life. There are no sales or commissions involved, and all advice is fiduciary, putting the client first. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz, co-owners of Three Points Financial, take time to work with you regarding decisions that affect your financial present and future. Whatever is happening in our world and with our economy, you have financial goals that matter. And Three Points Financial offers personal, real-time plans for savings, retirement, investments, and taxes, both tax efficiency and preparation. There is no better time than now to focus on your financial situation. If you are interested in learning more, contact ThreePointsFinancial.com to schedule a no-obligation introductory call. Stay up to date on issues in public health and science by signing up and reading Dr. James Lyons-Weiler's latest articles at Popular Rationalism on Substack. Find more information about Popular Rationalism at KimMunson.com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. I will always do my duty. 
And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Before we get back to Trent Luce, uh, that reminds me, uh, first of all, about the USMC Memorial Foundation, which is a nonprofit that I dearly love. And Paula Sarles is a uh, Marine veteran. She is a Gold Star wife. She's also the president of the USMC Memorial Foundation. And she and the team are working diligently to raise the money for the remodel of the Marine Memorial out at Six and Colfax. And you can help them by going to the USMC Memorial Foundation.org. That's USMC Memorial memorialfoundation.org. And then uh, a little bit later this morning, we will be recording our show for America's Veterans Stories. I, a great connection. And uh, we will be interviewing uh, Jack Myers, who is 90, he said he's 99 and three quarters, and he is a World War II veteran. So um, you, you will not want to miss that this Sunday, 3 to 4 p.m. Uh, Trent Luce, uh, you mentioned something about predators being reintroduced into um, Colorado. And interestingly enough, you mentioned the wolf, the gray wolf. And uh, I had taken a look at that. Uh, I do a voter's guide and had taken a look at that particular initiative. And it's so interesting that uh, in that initiative, it said that the uh, wolf would be reintroduced west of the Continental Divide. So here you have people in the front range voting to introduce uh, a predator uh, west of the uh, Continental Divide. It's like I said, if people in Boulder want the gray wolf, then why don't we put the gray wolf in Boulder? But instead, they wanted to make sure it was west of the Continental Divide. I thought that was so unfair. And fortunately, the gray wolf itself read the ballot initiatives and know that they have to stay out of, you know, anywhere east of there. <laughs> no, and, no uh, you're, you're, you're laughing, but this ties in to what I'm telling you on this gentleman who was sitting with his wife in a hot tub over the weekend at their property. Oh, I did see out, this. Yes. An outdoor, oh, yeah. outdoor, outdoor hot tub and a, a mountain lion came up and scratched him, but he and his wife started panicking and throwing water on him, and the mountain lion ran off. But the, the gentleman did have four scratches on his head. He it must not have been too severe. He refused medical attention. But here's why we have a problem, because I want to read to you the quote from the area wildlife manager who continues to be a part of not this individual, but that position continues to be a part of what you just described with the gray wolf and why the conservation has been hijacked across the board. Authorities believe that the wild animal didn't notice that there were people in the hot tub prompting the attack. We, this is a quote. We think it's likely the mountain lion saw the man's head move in the darkness at the ground level, but didn't realize that they were people in a hot tub. Are you freaking kidding me? The, the the mountain lion is looking for its next meal. It don't care if it's your puppy. It doesn't care if it's your baby. It doesn't care if it's you and your head. They will eat whatever they can to survive. But they're, they're trying to give this mountain lion some sort of a, a moral compass that had he only known it was a husband and a wife sitting in a hot tub, had he only known that, he'd have brought a whole pack of mountain lions to try to surround them and get it done. He, he, they are predators. They have two instincts, to seek food 
and reproduce. Those are the only two things that a mountain lion cares about. And we have given the whole conservation movement this type of a, a moral compass beyond that of the human being. And this is the problem at the end of the day. And it leads to all of the water issues that we talked about earlier. And because what, who has control? Somebody other than the individual sitting in the hot tub. That's the moral of the story. Well, and this really comes down to what we've started to realize, Trent, is that there are those that romanticize and uh, will support things that, that really affect, in a negative way, human flourishing. We can look at it from uh, water management. We could look at it from energy management. Uh, this idea that, we're, that human flourishing is a bad thing. How did we ever get to that point? You know, I started doing this because I saw that people were giving human qualities and characteristics to their dogs. And this won't be popular with a lot of people. It's not popular in my own house, as a matter of fact. But it's reported that 84% of the individuals now sleep with their dog, their pet, dog or cat. And a lot of people said, well, that's anthropomorphism, where you're giving animals human qualities and characteristics. And I've disagreed with that the entire time. We have tried to bring the the... the of the human down to the level of the animal. We've been trying to create an anti-human environment since the end of World War I, my assessment. I read some interesting stuff just this morning about an interview that was conducted by a guy named Norman Dobb in 1982, and he was part of the financial banking crisis of 1929, but it was all precipitated by what happened at World War II. And he clearly World said, War I? Excuse me, World thank you. World War One. He clearly said that we knew to maintain control of people, we, number one, had to get control of the education system, and then we also had to have wars to keep people maneuvering the way that we wanted them to maneuver. Well, we've been in a war for quite some time. You just don't understand. There's been a war for controlling your mindset, and if you see what's happening in every school USA, every public school USA today, you can see that that is at full play, and that's what leads to this whole discussion about furries in schools and kids who don't know whether they're male or female. i got news for you. It comes back to creation, and if you don't have a male and a female, you won't have a little one. It's that simple. I don't care what species you're talking about. And how we somehow trying to confuse everybody and say, well, you can be two males or two females. You can't. To, to reproduce and to do what the mountain lion does, survive and reproduce, you have to have a male and a female. And now we've had this educational system. That you should decide which one you are. Well, that decision was made. You're just fixing to screw it up. So you're mentioning this about um, animals taking on human qualities. And I was thinking about Mickey Mouse. I mean, that happened a lot. And I, I loved Mickey Mouse. I loved Donald Duck. I loved all that. And that seems like that's different than what is occurring now. What's your thoughts about Mickey Mouse? No, I think Walt, didn't, Walt Disney was in on it from day one. I think that this was part of the calculated effort that we give Mickey Mouse human qualities and characteristics. Look, Mickey Mouse and Sylvester the Cat became friends. Not, not in real life. In real life, Sylvester's trying to eat Mickey Mouse on a daily basis. And and all kind of just came to a head with a, a movie produced by Disney called Binding Nemo. And a statement in the movie was, 
fish are not my uh, fish are not my food. Fish are my friends. Well, fish are food for other fish, and their fish are their food for people. And yet we've tried to remove all of that. And Kim, I have a, I hope you got another hour today because I got a whole bunch of stuff on food <laughs> that we need to get to that is just absolutely mind-boggling. Okay, let's let's go for it. Are you kidding me? We got another hour? No, we don't have that. You got five minutes right now. <laughs> <laughs> So, but but you'll be on next week, so we can do this as a teaser as well. So I was on. Uh, no, excuse me. I was in Iowa over the weekend, and I understand it is that time when people flock to Iowa to do their exploratory work on running for president. I am not running for president. I was in Iowa for another reason: <laughs> the, the pipeline of death, the CO two pipeline, which the taxpayer is spending billions of dollars on. And I just couldn't understand it because CO2 has so many valuable properties. It's essential. It's not something that we need to bury. It's not something we need to be worried about. In fact, if we had 3,000 parts per million of CO2 instead of our current 446 parts per million, we would have more plants. We would have more life. It would be better for everybody. So I've been trying to figure out why are we convincing people that CO2 is dangerous, that CO2 is a problem. So I go to the heart of where the pipeline is starting in Iowa, and, and in fact, I was in the neighboring county to Bruce Rastetter, who owns Summit, Summit Carbon Solutions, and I've known Bruce personally for 30 years. Lo and behold, I now believe, Kim, that we are building a massive pipeline structure. They've demonized CO2 because they want to use eminent domain, have the public pay for this particular project, which is a direct constitutional problem. In the state of Iowa last week, the Iowa State House, uh, House of Representatives voted no eminent domain cannot be used for uh, pipeline because it does not serve the public good. This week, it's supposed to come to the Iowa Senate. It was supposed to be heard tomorrow, Thursday, in the Iowa Senate, and they canceled all Commerce Committee meetings in the Iowa Senate for the rest of the week on Monday. If the bill is not heard by Friday, it cannot be presented in this legislative session. So it was strategically killed. I have horrible news. Waylon Brown, 43 years old, the chairman of that committee, the Commerce Committee, yesterday had a nervous breakdown. I do not want to minimize that, thoughts and prayers, but I think it speaks to the pressure that is taking place here because now, Kim, what I have learned is that there is a company that started in 2008 documenting and they went public in 2019 that they can take CO2 from the atmosphere and make food. Let me read to you just one quick sentence from their website. Because making meat is uh, because making meat uh, continues to contribute to uh, deforestation, factory farming, and greenhouse gas production, and harmful to the planet, we are going to make a clean meat. It's meat from the air. And they have walked through a pro- you can go to their website and they walk you through a process where they take CO2, introduce a culture, and create like a fermentation process that will generate a nutrient dense food item. And it, and it works because of the very reason that CO2 exists in the atmosphere photosynthesis, where it goes through a process and produces oxygen thanks to a plant. They're going to use an artificial plant to produce what they are calling a meat alternative without the use of an animal. 
This CO2 pipeline is the biggest fraud brought upon us right alongside of COVID. And the whole plan is they've demonized animals, they've demonized meat consumption, saying that the animals are contributing to climate change, to greenhouse gas emissions. And guess what? The very greenhouse gas emissions that they demonize are what they are, are using to produce a meat-like substance to eliminate animals. So, so Trent Luce, I can't... He, he who, Kim, one final thing. He who controls the CO2 controls life. That's what we'll we're see. CO2 is plant food. Uh, people need to realize that. And Trent, I can't remember if I mentioned this to you, but uh, there is a new documentary that is coming out. It's called A Climate Conversation. It'll be released. Uh, there, there's been the, the pre uh, preview on it, uh, and it's the, the brainchild of Walt Johnson, who he is a geophysicist, and it has been on his heart to have a real honest conversation about uh, CO2 and, and, and the climate. And he put together three experts uh, to talk about uh, this whole in there and there is an industry on it but to talk about this and they asked me to narrate that and so the preview is out but it will be released the middle part of of uh, April and it was uh, pre uh, it was screened at the 15th annual climate conference uh, uh, by the Heartland Institute in mid-February to standing ovations on it because um, this is a scam of what you know, what is going on regarding CO2 it's CO2 is plant food people need to realize that Trent Luce well, it's plant food, and the reason I even headed down this path, Kim, is not only is that what God put it here for, they have figured out there are 15 extremely valuable uses for CO2 beyond plant food, dry ice being one of those, and a friend of mine in North Dakota has been buying CO2 at 17 cents a pound. He called me last week. He said, Trent, CO2 is now 70 cents a pound. I'm having trouble getting it. You can go fine. And now I find that one of those 15 uses is producing a meat-like substance to feed the world. So to your point, it is extremely viable, essential component of life. It's been demonized. And not only does it feed plants, it feeds people. He who controls CO2 controls the people. Okay. Trent Lewis, I have some more questions about this scenario that you just described regarding um, what's happening in Iowa. I, there's a couple of things that just is not clear to me, so I want to talk with you about that. We have these conversations because of great sponsors like Lauren Levy. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Every family needs a healthcare team that has your child's best interest as the priority, and Roots Medical is proud to offer exactly that. At Roots Medical, we strive to empower and educate both parent and child about the importance of gut health, how to implement healthy changes in the home, and of course, all of the benefits that come with a fully optimized immune system. Same day and sickness appointments are available and easy to schedule. 
For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. That's R-O-O-T-S medical.net. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your health care concerns. It's more critical than ever to get the firearms training you must have to be confident in protecting yourself and your family. Learning from the expertly trained instructors at Franktown Firearms and Shooting Range, you will learn the skills necessary to be ready for anything you have to deal with. If you learned how to shoot by way of Granddad Taught Dad Taught Me, you may be missing critical elements of safety and proficiency training that can only be learned in the right environment with a knowledgeable and industry-leading instructor who can analyze and diagnose shooting mistakes, helping you prepare properly. At Franktown Firearms, they believe understanding how guns work Learning the fundamentals the right way and being confident in using a gun can mean the difference between life and death. When people leave Franktown classes, they feel empowered. They look forward to practicing and getting more training. Go to franktownfirearms.com and sign up for one of our training classes today. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. My, uh, be sure to check out my website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter there, and you can email me at Kim at Kim com as well. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. The text line is 720-605-0647. Call in 303-477-5600. Trent Luce, uh, thank you, uh, for being able to, to stay on here. I, I don't quite understand what happened in Iowa. And now, so the pipeline, is this a CO2 pipeline or which pipeline is it that, that is? Yeah. The CO2 pipeline that is originating in Iowa. It has part, it goes through parts of Minnesota, parts of Nebraska. Hits South Dakota pretty hard, and ultimately all of that CO2 is supposedly going to go to Oliver County, North Dakota, be buried in the ground one mile deep. That's been the premise. I now believe that to be an outright lie, but they they are. I talked. To, I've been to the spot. I've been to the wellhead in Oliver County, North Dakota, right outside, just west of Center, North Dakota. I have a picture of the place they say they're going to bury the CO2, and they've been acquiring conservation easements to get it done. And using eminent domain, you said as well. They at, at this point they are threatening to use eminent domain, and so what the discussion has been in our state legislators and Pierre and in Bismarck and in Des Moines has not occurred in my home state of uh, Nebraska yet. But they are, we had state legislators trying to prevent the use of eminent domain. Now, let me just set this up. The reason that they want to use eminent domain is that we've been hornswoggled into believing that CO2 is a danger. And so it's for the public good to take this dangerous gas to North Dakota and bury it in the ground a mile deep. That, that's just a load of bovine fecal matter. That is not true in any way, shape, or form. And so the State House of Iowa... Uh, let me tell you one other interesting thing about this, Kim, is that there are two companies pursuing this. There's a, one company that has a product, product called Navigator, and they originally were going to go to Illinois, and they have acquired conservation easements all the way into Illinois and going to bury CO2 in Illinois. Believe it or not, the state of Illinois has actually shut that down, told them they could not do that. 
So I talked to a gentleman in Iowa this week who has personally seen a place where the Navigator and the, com- uh, and the Summit Carbon Solutions pipelines cross. So those are the two companies that are actively pursuing. I think Summit is responsible for about 80% of the pipeline. Navigator was 20%. But there are two locations in Iowa that I can take you to today or tomorrow and show you where they are actually put in a cross-section valve where they could move CO2 from one pipe system to the other pipe system. How competitive does that sound? Interesting. The whole concept here is that we have demonized CO2. CO2, as you eloquently described, has so many valuable properties and uses to improving human life. We didn't even talk about dry ice. But most concerning is that the individual who is behind all of this, a gentleman by the name of Bruce Restetter, um, I've known Bruce, he used to be in the pig business, I understand he's still in the pig business, and he's out permitting CAFOs right now in the pig business, which I don't have a problem with, except um, now learning that there's a tie to China in his financial move on the pig side. I, will, I have to ask questions and, and find out how much is China involved in the CO2 pipeline. Because oh my gosh! Here's the other, here's the other part of this, Kim. We are shutting down coal-fired power plants because CO2 is a problem in the atmosphere. So we're buying components from China for wind farms and for solar de- uh, development, and all of those rare earth minerals come through China. We buy these components from China, and while they're selling us this, and we're shutting down our reliable source of coal as electricity. China's building a coal-fired power plant one a month in 2023. Unbelievable. Hey, we have to continue this conversation. We'll do that next week. We've got Kane on the line. Kane, what is on your radar? Good morning, Kim. I just wanted to cover the uh, your first segment concerning uh, school shootings. Um, yet again, another example of school boards failing to protect our children. It's important to understand this SRO issue and removing these officers, that was part of the defund police agenda. It, it, it really is a Marxist approach, and they're harming our kids. And, and I'm going to say this last thing. Let this sink in, parents and grandparents. I want you to let this sink in. School boards, and I've been to many of them, they always have police presence. Not just one officer. They'll have multiple officers, plus plainclothes security. Why is that? I think we need to wake up as parents and as grandparents and understand that these school boards have no intention of protecting our children. My last comment. Tell me the last time a Jewish school, elementary, high school, tell me the last time a Jewish school was ever attacked. I know the answer. You go do the research and you'll realize that these school boards are not doing a thing to protect our kids. Thank you, Kim. Okay, Kane, wait, wait, wait. I don't, I don't quite get the, the connection between Jewish schools and that. So, so just what is that connection? I grew up in Southern California, and there's several Jewish schools. They are a hard target. You can't even get close to their school. You can't get okay. off the sidewalk to approach their school because they understand being Jewish. At one point, they were under attack on a regular basis. And these folks are interested in protecting their children. And they are a hard target, and the enemy knows they are a hard target, so they stay away from their schools. 
Okay. Kane, thank you. And Kane is the founder of Task Force Freedom, is doing amazing work in northern Colorado uh, to protect our children. He's been very active in uh, exposing um, pornographic books in schools and uh, really putting pressure uh, on school boards. And he really encourages uh, people to get their kids out of these government-run schools. Uh, Trent Luce, I know we have covered a lot. We've got about a minute left. How would you like to, to button all this up and, and then we'll continue the conversation next week? Well, actually, what Kane brought up is tied to everything that we're talking about. It all starts at the school. Your school board is determining your tax base. Your school board determines as much of anything about your profitability as anybody does in D.C. And your school board in, in, enables such thoughts as we're talking about here today that leads to protecting mountain lions, gray wolves, and misunderstanding about CO2. I've had science teachers in public schools for a long time telling me they're teaching climate change and man is causing it. This is why we are where we are today get at the school board meeting. I couldn't agree more. Well, and to that other point, I, as you were saying this, I was thinking about Kane. Here we have people that want to protect predators, mountain lions and gray wolves, but also predators that are coming in for our children as well. I, I mean, the the idea that we would have grown men dress up as women and dance provocatively in front of children and not take a stand against that, it's uh, it's beyond belief. And that that's grooming them. That's predators coming in as well. And so we need to make sure we have a, we have a moral duty to protect our children. And um, that, that's why we do this show when we talk about life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Those are those are where we put our stake in the ground, and we have to stand for those. So, Trent Luce, thank you so much. I can't wait until next Wednesday so, for us to continue this discussion. Thanks, Kim. I told you it'd be another hour. See you soon. <laughs> That's for sure. So we will continue the discussion next week. The The quote for the end of the show, and I, I went to Ludwig von Mises because of our conversation with Jay, uh, Davidson, says the advocates of public control cannot do without inflation. They need it in order to finance their policy of reckless spending and lavishly subsidizing and bribing the voters. So, my friends, today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, uh, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America.